In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome back to the Three Dogs in a Movie podcast. Today we are going over the 1998 introspective drama, The Truman Show. Uh, my name is Phil Daly, and I'm here with my co-host Tim Daly, the D.O. Double W.G. Hello. And uh, why don't we get right into it, uh, Dog? You want to run us through the plot of uh, this movie? Sure. First off, good to see you, Dog, uh, over here in Gosstown. It's uh, it's not the same. Uh, not seeing you face to face, but uh, we're gonna make do, aren't we? Yeah, I can see your face. It's Co- weird. Coronavirus has got us doing this remote. So if, uh, if if it sounds like Tim's on the other line, it's because he is. He's not here with me, but we're gonna make this happen. So, dog, you want to run through the plot? Sure. So Truman Show uh, is actually it's a movie uh, starring Jim Carrey, uh, Ed Harris, uh, dog. Who's the who's the female? And then Laura Linney. Lauren Lanny, okay. <clears throat> Anyways, it's great, pretty great uh, cast. Uh, underrated movie for the time. So basically, it's a pretty simple movie. I don't have to set up too much. Um, the idea is that Truman is the first baby to be ever adopted by a corporation, and they set up a reality TV show surrounding his life. And, and uh, as technology progresses, it, essentially, his... Um, his world gets created around him and they eventually create an entire dome where they can control his entire life from the weather to the street patterns because everybody's an actor and the entire world, his immediate world revolves around him. And now what's a key part of the story is as a child, he lives on an island. Well, what's the name of the island? Um, Sea Haven Island. Sea Haven Island. So, he lives on an island, and as a young man, as a young kid, his father dies in a, a boating accident when they're out sailing, and that keeps him afraid from leaving the island. At right. All. So essentially, um, by controlling his environment, they can keep him, you know, uh, in the area where they have somewhere around the right. vicinity of five thousand cameras, and they're they're controlling and well, manipulating his life and, and, and essentially recording right. everything 24-7. And so the movie picks up where he's first starting to have these realizations that maybe his life is different than the people who, who are around him um, or the actors, as we come to find out, that are surrounding him. 
Um, it's the realization leading all the way up into the spoiler alert um, verification that he is indeed in in this made up world. Um, so true. Uh, Jim Carrey plays Truman. Ed Harris plays the director of the Truman Show, Kristoff. Um, and then, as Tim said, Laura Linney is Meryl Burbank, Truman's Truman's wife. Um, we'll be mentioning other characters as we go through, but th- those are really the top three build characters at the time. And then his 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 buddy um, Meryl as well, or is it uh, Marlin or Moral? Yeah, 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 yeah. So his wife is Meryl, is and his best buddy is Marlin. Right. Uh, but those are essentially the the main characters. With yep. uh, Paul Giamatti peppered in there. Yep. And, uh, and back in outside the real world, he, he's not a character. But anyways. Yeah, Giamatti's a, he's just kind of like the second in command producer. Uh, he was, um, he was just taking any role he could get at that point. Right. I've I've got a little side note about him that we'll get into later, but <laughs> but it, it's it's uh it's a good role for him. Um, so just quickly, I just wanted to go over before we we get into our theories and you know the meat of the actual movie, a few things uh, that this did at the box office and then how it did in award season. Um, the budget for this movie was sixty million dollars. Um, it grossed $125 million in the movies domestically, $264 million um, overseas or, or internationally. Um, Peter Weir coming into this movie had done movies such as Dead Poets Society, and then I think actually after that was Master and Commander. Going through his IMDb list, there's not a ton more. Um, so this this by far is his best movie. Um, kind of got snubbed at the Oscars, only getting three nods with with for uh, Best Supporting Actor, Ed Harris, Best Director, Peter Weir, and then Best Writing and Screenplay, all of which did not win any any awards. They did a lot better at the Golden Globes. Jim Carrey actually won the, the Best Actor Award uh, in a drama. Ed Harris won Best Supporting, and then they also got, they won Best um, Score. They were nominated pretty much across the board. See, I just think that's so. It's all so political. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, Ed Harris isn't like so phenomenal. He's fine. He's good. But Jim Carrey is phenomenal. By I far. He's he's by he steals the show. And I was thinking because Phil and I were talking before the podcast. We talked this week about you know you know uh, how we're what we're going to talk about and just the basic structure and rewatching the movie. Well, we we talked it might be in our twenty top twenty movies. And uh, I, I might be rethinking that, but that being said, um, it, 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 it's a really good movie. But Jim Carrey carries it on his back for sure. I think. I mean, from an acting standpoint, I think it's his best role. And uh, you, arguably, okay, arguably, we can get into that. Um, a couple other notes from from that year in the award season. Um, so, other significant movies. So, this is the 1999 Oscars. Um, even though it was, it was the film was from '98. Um, so the was, films that came out in '98, so like it was. Yeah, again, other other like notable the, films that were in Matrix. <laughs> yeah, from well, I think the Matrix was the next year, but other notable films from '98 were American History X, uh, Patch Adams, Saving Private Ryan, oh. Shakespeare in Love, and Armageddon. Those were the ones that that I when I was doing my research, I saw over and over and over. Um, and I, I mean, I think the Oscars just completely got it wrong that year. Um, any of the five movies I just said, do you know which one won the Oscar that year? I mean, American History X, I think, deserves it. Um, but it, what out of those movies, what won it? Um, 
I hope not Armageddon, for God's sake. No, no, but I think Armageddon was better than the one that actually did win it. Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know. Tell me. Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love. The old, God. the old crotchety white guys from the from the uh, so Academy boring. just went crazy for it. Gwyneth Paltrow was in her prime. Like, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know what they saw in that movie, but it was to me that was the worst of of all the ones that were listed. Um, and and actually, Truman Show didn't actually even get nominated for Best Picture. Private Ryan wasn't that. I mean, that's I that's a great. That's a great movie. Oh. It's it's phenomenal and Tom it's Hanks. It's like some of these movies were almost, and I think the reason that we're coming back to them, we, which Saving Private Ryan isn't one I would particularly want to do for a podcast, but it's one that I could watch right now. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason they might have not been recognized in their time, um, and I think we touched on the last pa- last podcast how the times are changing and we're um, we're. As fans, we're desiring a grittier and more uh, dedicated actor. Definitely. Um, and also a dedicated movie. And that Truman Show is all focused on one idea. And essentially, I'm sure when they casted Jim Carrey, which is uh, another question I want to ask and continue to ask throughout the podcast is uh, who else you would cast in that role if it wasn't Jim? Because I feel like so many of the roles that he gets into uh, I feel like they must either adapt the script or the the movie just kind of forms to him. Yes. Whether it's him being such a physical actor, which he's not so much in this, yeah. or just the nature of his 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 acting and his uh, so, I, I guess his his cinematic power. Because when you watch him, I, I'm just in it. You know, whenever I watch him in a movie, I'm just gonna, whether it's Lloyd Christmas or uh, or uh, you know. <laughs> Or, or him in this, I, I just, I, I, he, I yeah, he, he, he owns the screen for sure. This was the, I think, I don't know if the Academy was ready for this. I think they might have just seen this as kind of a, a passion project for both Peter Weir and Jim Carrey. Because well, saying, it was almost like too big an idea. Like, that's why we're coming back to these films now is because I, I feel like they almost get better with time in a way. Yeah. Uh, because of the effects that not only they have on culture, but the, now that Jim Carrey's career is really, really gone for right. a long time, he, he's got he's got quite the spectrum of right. movies. So, so I was just going to say, this is the beginning of his Jim Carrey as a dramatic actor, a serious actor. After this, he pumps out The Majestic, Eternal Sunshine, The Number 23, all within the next five to seven years. Um, you could someone argue that he, that Fun with Dick and Jane was not a comedy either. <laughs> just so. Yeah. It, but I mean, he's supposed to be funny in it, but he he really wasn't. So this was the beginning of a new. You could almost draw a line right here for Jim Carrey, Funny Man, like the Ace Ventura, the All Righty Then era, and then after that, where he kind of does the the higher budget movies and then picks the dramatic uh, films that he wants to. Um, so you you mentioned Dog that. Um, there was, uh, oh, you were thinking of other actors that would be good in this role. I'm, I'm having to think on that. Did you have anyone in particular that you could see in this role? I honestly, and not because of just Jim Carrey and the cable guy, but just because of the time, I feel like Matthew Broderick like would have been, because he's just kind of like a friendly, hi, I'm Matthew Broderick. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just kind of a friendly guy, um, appropriate for the time, um, Honestly, I, I Jim again. It's it's not necessarily a physical role, so there there could be a wide range of actors who played it. 
Jim Carrey uh, did bring some physicality into it, though. There's there's some scenes where he's being chased and like tackled, and where you know he's. I mean, he, the guy could take a hit. Like you, I just remember that scene from Liar Liar where he faints. You know, after he goes into the big boardroom and he just drops to the ground. He's like six four, six five, and he just drops to the ground. He's so he's elastic. He's yeah, an elastic person. And so he does bring that to the movie a little bit, but that's not this character doesn't necessarily need that. Um, no, I, I think, but I, I think in terms, of, I don't, I don't think you need a ton of depth as an actor, except for some maybe the later parts. Um, but I think, I think that's what brings the movie up is his performance in it. Like they could have, like the the idea of the movie, the structure of the movie. That's what I mean. They could put anyone in there. Um, or not anyone, but they, you know, a wide range of actors. But what makes it a great, what I think a great movie is Jim's performance sure. in the role as Truman. He brings like, a little bit of light to it, and not picture his face or like him waving at the beginning. Yeah, no, I don't think that there's too many. I mean, just because you mentioned American History X, I could picture Ed Ed um, uh, Ed Norton Ed Norton in it. Um, just, I mean, I think it would have a little bit of a darker feel to it. You know, like the realization would be a little. But that, that'd be cool, though. Yeah, like, but. Imagine- it, I think he could do it. I mean, he's Ed Norton. He's one of my favorites, so I, I feel like he could. You could plug him into pretty much every non-superhero role, um, even though he did play Hulk. Uh, but he might be a good one. It would just probably be a little bit of a darker. I think there'd be a little bit more anger between him and uh, Ed Harris. You know, once he finds out that it's all kind of just a farce. Whereas Jim Carrey, he, like in in that scene, and we actually let's let's wait to get into that scene. Um, but Jim Carrey, I would be so pissed if I knew that, that you know Ed Harris was trying to kill me. And Jim Carrey kind of just brushed that off. Let's let's actually start with with the topic. And you mentioned it in the plot that this movie kind of tackled this human idea that there's really only one perception. Like us, given as humans, are give, only given one perception, so we can't really understand. It's almost as if every day we are in our own. Um, it, we're in our own show because we can't know what the other actors are seeing. So you watch, you know, any, any, like The Wire, The Sopranos, whatever shows, you're always getting the perspective of different characters. Going through our own lives, we're only given our one perspective. So that's why it's kind of the idea of The Truman Show is so relatable. I don't think any movies ever actually fully captured that. Um, but it's it's resulted in a bunch of you know, theories and, and phobias. Or, you did a little bit of research, right, Dog, on, on the Truman? Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, this is like a, an applicable thing. Like, it's all life is perception and in, in individual or perspective and perception, um, which is why it's so... I think, in my, personally, in my life, it's important to take all perspectives into account right, as many at, as you can. But at the end of the day, you just have your one. Sure, sure. Which is why it's so easy, I think, for um, uh, the, the, okay. So the research Phil's talking about, we we looked into the Truman Show Truman Show syndrome, um, which is uh, where people actually believe that their entire lives are being recorded all for a reality show, and um, and that there's some there's some deterministic fate that's being sculpted for them. Um, but that being said, again that. They think that everything is being recorded, um, and, and back this is 1998, though. So this is before cell phones in, in your pocket, where with with cameras, mm-hmm. um, and so this is before the time also where everything was 
where not everything, but the majority of society is highly recorded. Right. Um, so as as that idea was presented in 1998, it was kind of right at a time where that uh, public um, record of everything and recording and having your life filmed was so much more. Yeah, the, the internet isn't the internet wasn't in 1998 what it, what it is today. Um, so, so it made it when you were first watch it that much more believable. And even looking back, I mean, Ed, Ed Harris, his Christoph, the director character, probably even if he had the internet today, if he was building that world, he probably wouldn't give Jim Carrey or Truman access to the internet because if he wanted the show to run, to run, all of it would course. take all of Truman would have to do is just do a quick and Google of himself. That brings up a great point because when he's going, when he goes into. So Truman is trying to challenge his his world around him by leaving the island, and he's trying to take a flight to Fiji to go after the girl that he, uh, the, the, one of his high school Sylvia girl he fell in love with in high school. Yeah, her name's Sylvia. Away from him. Um, but they have the the flight, uh, or excuse me, the travel agent, which is almost obsolete as well. Sorry for anyone who's listening, who's uh, a travel agent. But uh, anyway, so she has a computer. So eventually, like, they have to explain that. Um, but in this world, he, he doesn't have a computer in his home. I was noticing that um, they're in, this, in his world, he's essentially living in 1955, 56. Because, um, like, what, what happens when things like 9-11 happen? Or, uh, you know, how does that affect the internal world of the Truman? It's a great question. Like, do they introduce that stuff? It's like... So with the computer bringing back the internet, of course they're not going to give it to them. But that introduction of the computer opens up a lot of like there. It was leading to a point where how could they keep them in there? Anymore? Right. Yeah. Computers were prevalent. I mean, there there were computers in the show, but you're almost wondering like, you know, does is the is the Sea Sea Haven Island computer different than what we have on the outside? I would imagine it would be. Um, but I definitely got those. Remember, 1996, when we first got our computer, 9596. Right, it we had, had like the encyclopedias on on CD-ROM or right. on the flat drive. Yeah, you'd have to load everything into the computer rather than now we take everything off the computer. So, right. um, so so yeah, um, the, what I was getting into was the definitely agree that it had the, like that 1955 vibe to it where you know the neighbor coming over unannounced with a pack of beer was just normal like you know um the the cars were a little bit more modern than that but definitely had that a different feel i remember even watching that in 98 or 99 when i first watched it um that it had like a little bit of that pleasantville you know yeah feel pleasantville, to it. just classic americana mm-hmm. um you know it, it's it's the idea of the the domestic partner partnership sure. that that you know that the wife is always bringing home groceries yes and the the kitchen stuff also while advertising it, yeah um and then he's out well you know it's the very traditional domestic roles yes um and really enforcing that idea um which brings me up to another topic of talk about tr- how it's such a traditional life and how it's such a conservative life that they've Essentially foreign for Truman because he's a he's an insurance salesman salesman he sells like life insurance and stuff so they they, they sculpt a life for him that's just kind of like uh, boring monotonous but also like kinda Contr- controllable controllable exactly 
I, you're smiling there because well, I'm an insurance. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know who's listening, I'm an insurance. So, dog's basically explaining my boxed life. <laughs> I, I wouldn't consider your life monotonous. Don't worry, dog. But when we did live together, I will say he ate chicken salad and yeah, maybe yeah. some wheat thins. Like uh, I would have like four or five nights a week. So, anyways, so Phil can relate to this movie on multiple levels. Thanks, dog. Um. And so, anyways, so they sculpt this life for, the, uh, what, what were we even talking about? Uh, we, so, we were just talking about how, how it was kind of a, just a controllable environment, because essentially wherever they go, they're on set. Sure, um, so that was bringing me to the point of, so they, they, they control all the information they give it, and that he, so he's got a conservative lifestyle. They're really trying to push that, because, so the crowd, the people watching the show are also a part of the movie. So there's uh, one thing that I didn't explain in the plot is that although the Truman Show is happening, the the movie also portrays um, all uh, how it, all the people around America in the world who are watching the show and how it's affecting them. So it's basically so it's 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 a it's a means of control in a, in a sense that it's portraying the 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 perfect lifestyle, the ideal yeah. lifestyle that people should be yep. should be going for. Um, yeah, so as, as nuanced as the internet was back then, reality TV shows were just as new. I think Survivor had just come out right around that time. That would have been like the first reality show because it's it, it, at that time in 1998. He's 30, so he uh, you know would have been going on for you know 30 yeah. years. So I just want to get into a couple quick things that I thought were kind of funny. Um, leading off, going into this movie, I go, you know, if he's filmed all the time, like, there's just things in life that we do that's just, like, embarrassing and, like... Oh, boy. Right, exactly. Like, okay, like, let's just say he's right around the age of 12, 13, and he's uh, finding himself. So I'm, I'm, I'm going into the movie thinking this time, like... Uh, like, how are they going to address that? Uh, so, but anyways, they do it right off the top. So the two cops who are watching at the station are like, oh, they never, they deal with anything sexual or anything that wouldn't be fit for TV by panning away. Um, so I guess, but some of those awkward moments just kind of come up at like random times. So I just wondered how, they, how they'd work around that. I didn't think the movie did a great job explaining that, but other than like the pan away, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, well Doug, this, this, this just... Gives me like what if Seth Rogen did this movie? Oh, like, if, yeah, if he was the director, it would be rated. What's what's an NC seventeen times? It would times? be put straight to Netflix. They can right. get away with everything on Netflix. So, so one of these things I thought if this was created in today's era by a different director, or if this was like a real reality TV show, like today you'd probably be able to find on the dark web, or they you'd have to pay a subscription to see you know Sexy Time or anything. There'd be there'd definitely be cuts There's where you could buy. It's called, it's called voyeurism. Right, right. So a little bit darker these days. It was a little bit, we're in more innocent times, pre-9-11, pre all these other trashy reality shows where we weren't asking those questions at the time. Um, speaking of watching it at the time, Tim, do you want to tell about the experience you had in the movie theater? Well, we can get to, I mean, so that, that, that so corresponds with the ending, I feel like. Okay, all right, we'll skip, ahead. we'll skip, we'll, I can go to another kind of funny thing. So I was thinking as I was watching this, um... Really, everyone in the show gets a break. They mentioned that the friend Marlon is like he got sick, quote unquote, and had and, and had to be in the hospital for a month. There's other nods to that. They're rotating in and out of characters. Everyone except for Laura Linney. Laura Linney's got to be there basically from the end of high school to current day. 
And I'm wondering, so that's roughly going to, it's about 15 years. What would you, what do you think they paid her, A, because they never mentioned it in the movie, and what would you need to be paid in order to do this? That, that I, of course I had asked Mike. So I would think uh, the, the best friend Marlon and Meryl would be the highest paid actors yes. on the show. And maybe the mother, too. You have to imagine the mother would have been there. Yeah, but think about it. Like, I mean, when you... 30 when, years well, But once you reach 30, you don't see your mother every single day. Like, and usually... Yeah, she's, it's committed. Like, it's committed to a lifestyle and, like, whatever he needs. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but you call, anytime we, you and I go to see mom, we're usually calling before we come over. So as long as she lives generally near the dome, she can live. She can have her own life. Laura, yeah, Lin, so. Laura Linney can't. So what do I need to get paid to yeah. do that? Yeah, what's what's your if some say Ed Harris First comes up to you? It, it'd be quite the it, it's different. I mean, for a guy and a girl. If okay. It was the uh, if it was the uh, the uh, I don't know Ty Tyrita show or I don't know. Tri- I, we'll call it Trina. Girl. Trina. <laughs> what the Trina show? Trina sure. show. Uh, then uh, I don't know. It depends how cute Trina is. You know, there's all that's a whole different thing. But to, all right, let's get back. All right, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give it to you. It's Laura Laura Linney. So you. Uh, okay, I, so it is Laura Linney. It's Laura Linney. Me. She's Trina. In this in this scenario, how much as you as a character actor, how much are you demanding in today's dollars? Today's dollars per year. So they, but they'd argue like, all right, you're paying. They're paying for your food and they're like all the life. So all right, all right, all right. Uh, and, um, uh, Four million. Four million a year. That's pretty fair. Yeah, four million a year. Because they do. They they'll, 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 it's your life. You live there, so it's not like you have life expenses. It's all for either later or if you take a vacation, like in the middle of the right. show somehow. So, um, so this went fifteen years. So you would have banked sixty million that you just get immediately as soon as the show ends because it's an open contract. Because they know it's going to end somehow. You see those pins. How is it going to end? Ed Harris even Ed Harris in his uh, interview knows that it eventually does have to end. Um, so yeah, you go you go into that. So you, you could make four million. It'd just be a year, or in this case, it would have lasted fifteen years. So yeah, you you take home sixty mil for the whole experience. Yeah, that and and you have a, like after after this experience, you can pretty much write your check after this experience because everyone in the world knows who you are. And if you can act like that for 15 years straight, then you're going to get a lot of jobs. Yeah, and, and well, or you don't have to ever work again. That's, That's kind of the point. Good point. Um, well, but also, I mean, and also your life is not like, it's not Truman's life. No. You're, you're allowed to go in the bathroom for a minute, but like Truman's like not even allowed in the bathroom. So that's like, so obviously that brings up a lot of like, what if he was like a deviant, like somehow like that? So they they chose an unwanted child that was given up at birth. Yeah. To adopt. What if somehow? So there's good and bad in the world. Some kids are just born bad, uh, no matter how much they're brought up. What if he's some sort of deviant, or is a sociopath that thinks the world revolves around him anyways, and is just completely messing with everybody? Like there's just so many there's so many ways it could have gone. Yeah. That, yeah, it could have been dark, or it could have just been uh, just embarrassing and goofy, whatever. But no, so I thought about this. Like, I think that's why they tried to keep it like so vanilla, like the insurance job, the you know, the perfect wife. Like, I think so that I think Ed Harris's plan was let's keep it as 
uh, normal as possible. In life in general, highlights are going to happen, so we'll film them. But if we keep it as controllable as possible, it's going to last as long as possible and be as most profitable. Right, but, but you can't control the nature of someone's being. Well, right, so if he's a deviant and he just stabs the first so actor that he runs into, then this, shows this over. This brings me to my question, Doug. When, okay, so it, it takes him, so it, in the movie... Truman starts to realize that he is either being observed or uh, something's happening for him. The first thing that a skylight or a a boom light falls out of the sky. Immediately, yeah. Which he kind of brushes off, um, but the the, the real thing is when his dad comes back from the dead, he sees his dad. That's, That's one thing that sets it off, which... No one, they tried to play it off. It's like, if I saw dad, if dad died in this office, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing. And then the police, he, the police scanner mixes up with his radio and they're, they're following him down the street. Is that the police scanner with the producers? The yeah. Talking. Yeah. So my question, that's when he starts to really question, challenge everything. But there's so many hints throughout his life. When do you think you would have realized it in your life? Oh. <sighs> I think in the scene where... Like being the, hang on, being the person that you are, you know, just growing up through... Because I feel like if you had the life just presented for you, you would have done well and like, things... Because you're an agreeable guy who just, like, did his work and, and you're an insurance salesman. Oh, my <laughs> God. Non-sales. No, web, web design. But, yeah, I get your point. I think... Uh, so the introduction of the Sylvia character... Um, if if I wanted to, every time I tried to go, so Sylvia is the actual love interest aside from Laura Linney, who he really does like. So the first time that he's on the like meets her in during finals, and then they they sneak off to the beach together, and she's t- pretty much telling him, "This is all for you. This you need to run." You know, I've never the father comes and gets her on the beach. She's like, "I've never seen this man." There's a long time in between that time and then when we pick it up in the movie. I, th- I would start questioning probably right around then. We, we, we can assume Truman's probably 17, 18, so, you know, an adult. Um, but, so I, I think that's what it would be. Just want to do a little side note about Sylvia, too. I, th- I would thought she was, like, right up your wheelhouse, like, in looks. She looked, like, a little bit like Emily Blunt mixed with, like, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, like... Doug, you nailed me. She's, uh, she's quite an attractive She's, be- she's beautiful, but I think, like, even more so, you're tight. <laughs> But when would you have fi- when would you have figured it out? I think again, me being you know, well, Phil's my older brother, so I was the youngest, and I was always just I feel like I was challenging stuff all the time, just like me being a rambunctious kid. Like that would have been crazy to have tried to to control. Well, that would have been but great TV, though. It was. <laughs> it was great real life. It was hilarious real life. It would have been great if we had the cameras rolling. I think, so this brings me to my, one of my biggest points about the movie that I, that I didn't actually acknowledge until this time around, is that religion plays absolutely no role in Truman's life. Good point. There are no churches in the dome that is his world, the sea, what is it, seafair? Uh, sea Haven Island. Sea, sea Haven Island. So anyways, there's no churches, no one is wearing a cross. No one mentions the word God. No one. Uh, so the only time that religion is ever mentioned is when it's him, Truman, and his best bud, um, Merrill. Yeah, uh, Marlon. 
Marlin. Or, on, yeah, something like that. Marlin, sorry. Uh, sitting on the bridge talking about existentialism, as a, the, you know, exi- being talking about existence, and yeah. then they're looking out at the sunset, and Merrill's always trying to, con- or excuse me, Marlin's always trying to convince him that how great this place is. He's like, look at that sunset. Right. He's like, you can't get he that goes, anywhere else. He goes, I've been and everywhere, my, and this is the best. Or so, yeah. So to, to my, to, again, to my point in religion, he, the only time it's referenced is in that scene where he says, the big guy's got a mighty good paintbrush, doesn't he? And he just, and Truman just goes, yep. He just goes along with it. Mm-hmm. No one ever references, so it, again, it being such a conservative, traditional life, for them to not bring any sort of religious aspect into it um, is is fascinating on multiple levels. I, I think it's fascinating because uh, through the American culture, there would almost have to be a demand for it somehow. So that would have been a cultural element outside of the Truman Show, but also... Um, it allows Kristoff, who's played by Ed Harris, to play this god role and have this god complex, um, and it really, it really goes to the the farthest extent that it could possible in life and death. Yes, De- so, definitely. He tried to he tries to kill him at the end. Exactly, exactly. He said, and he and he quite literally in the final scene when Truman. It sets up a a, a a ploy where he can escape the cameras in the middle of the night, um, and he, he goes out to the sea because no one thinks he he's figured out that he's being watched. Yeah. So he goes out to the sea on a sailboat to try to escape, and Ed Harris turns up the to blast the the waves to the full extent. Turns the moon into a spotlight. Exactly, and and really targets the boat. Anyway, so in that moment, Ed Harris goes, he goes, uh, one of the, 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 the presidents of the station goes, you can't kill a man on live TV. He goes, why? He's born on live TV. He goes, you know, he's quite literally, he's, this is his life to control. Right. Um, when, when he first starts speaking to Truman, um, he goes, it's, it's almost too obvious, he goes, the first thing he says, he's like, Truman, I am the creator. And then he gets, there's like a small pause. He's speaking, Kristoff says that to Truman. And he's speaking through the sun, like you see on like, you know, all, you know, referendums to God or whatever, through the sun. Um, And what I don't get, what he's doing at at that time, after he's basically said, I am your God, he's, he asks him to come back into the world. I go, it's over. Like, did he really think that Jim Carrey was going to... That's what Ed Harris, with his God complex, and that's how absolute power he felt he had over Truman, and that he could convince him, and that he's his father figure, and that I've watched you from your first steps, and that I've done all this stuff. I've cr- cradled you through life. And uh, it's it's him still grasping the, the possibility that he can control Truman. Yeah. No, that's a even good point. If it's all he knows, up, then yeah. Even after he's given up, he, he, it's his last resort. True. But he still believes he, that, he, that he will, and his almost Kangol has. You're right. He, he almost tries to create a sense of fear, as if you walk through that door, it's not much better out there. So exactly. might, as well, might as well keep making me money. And he probably doesn't even have the concept of, you know, uh, what modern television is. But, so. No, well, imagine, Doug, think he's like... 
Well, the thing of it, like, South Park had made an episode about, like, oh, the Earth is just a reality TV show. Imagine you walk out, it's just, like, aliens and just, like, yeah. who knows? But who knows? But he's got a good point. Like, well, Truman had to know, but who knows what's on the other side of that door. Right. But, I mean, life, either way, life would never be the same for Truman because you just question everything and... You know, he he would sabotage the show. I think. Well, it'd be right. funny if they did like a blooper reel, of, like Jim Carrey running around messing with everybody as Truman, like if he figured it out. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so I want to get into our favorite scenes. Um, uh, do you want to go first? I I've got mine all queued up. Um, uh, go ahead. Okay, so the first for the first half hour of the movie, Truman's just kind of like raising his eyebrows at certain things. Um, but there's there's one part about a half hour into the movie that he really tries to make a go for it, tries to escape. Um, so it starts out with him in the car um, and the neighbor next to him just kind of staring in because he's been in the car for seemingly hours. Laura Linney comes by, knocks on the window and says, you know, what's going on out here? Um, he's like, oh, just check it out. Behind me, he's like, there's a running loop. There's a, a woman in a red bike. There's a flowers. There's a guy walking back there with flowers. And then there's a dented VW bug. And she's just like, oh, you're out of, out of your mind. She hops in the car, and then he just makes a run for it. I think that... He essentially forces her to get in the car. That's the first time we start to see, I feel like... He, his distrust for her. Well, well, that's not the first time. Well, yes. Okay, actually. let me just, again, run through the scene, and then we can talk about it. Um, so then he goes, and of course, immediately, the producers create a traffic jam, bottling him up from even leaving the island... He, he goes back, he's like, okay, you're right, I was wrong. He goes back in the roundabout, comes back through that same road, and magically all the traffic's gone, makes a comment to Laura Linney, then finally gets to the bridge where he's having kind of like that fear complex of the water, just guns it and, and trusts Laura Linney won't kill herself, so he goes through. There's a forest fire that, there's a forest fire that whips across the road. There's uh, all of a sudden they run into so for as as orchestrated as this was by Ed Harris uh, seemingly so many bad calls in that whole like orchestration they they put together like a whole hazmat team a whole cops when they finally get to the le quote unquote leak at the plant and then it's screwed up by the cops saying oh no problem Truman like yeah, he, like he like, like he's known him for a hundred years and yeah right they're off yeah. the he's never been off the island. So, I mean, that whole sequence is just really the music's good, the action's good, and it's that first awakening that Jim Carrey has. He himself is sloppy, but Ed Harris is, and the directors and all the actors are equally as sloppy in that whole thing, and it creates for an awesome scene. I mean, I think Laura Linney is actually pretty impressive uh, in that sequence as well, because um, she, you know, she's battling, she's trying to keep her, her true character, her... her Meryl character going yeah. while you know while all this craziness has happened so this leads them back to the house um where he gets returned by the cops yes and, and somehow they lead at least an altercation between the two of them right yeah he's still fired up she yeah she 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 immediately this is another screw up by the producers she immediately as soon as they walk in she immediately holds up like you know oral ovaltine or whatever she's advertising at the time and looks into the camera and jim carrey loses it he's like who the hell are it's you talking slicer. to yeah it's a slicer and dicer because then he takes it oh that's what it is yeah okay or she attacks him actually and then he defends himself uh anyways and she but... and then she finally breaks the third wall and goes 
when when he like has like the thing up by her neck and she goes, I didn't sign up for this or this is too much or I can't remember exactly the quote, but she looks in the camera and screams for help. This can, how do you expect me to work under these yes, conditions? Yes, that's the line. It's unprofessional. Um, so, I mean... He knows at that point. He knows, but he also knew, I thought it was a great shot, was him looking at their old wedding photos and she has her fingers yes, crossed. Yes, yeah, yeah. That is just a great shot. Great. I mean, so he's, uh, he's figured it out. So I want to also make this point. At, at this point in the movie, for someone who, who's first watching it, we have only seen the Ed Harris character in the first 60 seconds of the movie. He doesn't come into the movie again until the I, I m- m- noted this the one hour mark exactly one hour he's back in the movie he gets nominated for supporting actor for a movie he's only in for maybe a third of a, a third of the time uh, so just thought that that was a little interesting nugget um, so what was your favorite scene my favorite scene I mean it's tough I feel like my fa- it's it's hard to pick favorite scenes. It's Jim Carrey. It's just Jim Carrey in the 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 role as Truman, like him bending over in the garden and sticking his butt out. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think Jim Carrey is a hilarious physical actor. And although I, as I pointed out before, I didn't think it was an extremely comical or like he wasn't a physical as physical in this movie. Like he just bleeds through. I think in some of his roles, and like he just again just sticking his butt out or in the in the scene that you're talking about, the screaming that he does when he's he's wild. Hilarious. Getting tackled by the hazmat guys, he's just, it's its like something out of like Ace Ventura or something like that. So he does kind of make a nod to that physical comedy. But, yeah, but to answer, so that's like my favorite part of the movie, but to answer your question, I was always, uh, so it's become, my favorite scene is when he actually leaves, and he, his famous line is, if I don't see it, good afternoon, good morning, and good night, and for some reason... <laughs> It's almost like that could be a mantra for meditation. It's just yeah. like a really nice phrase. But also, the, it's the way he reacts to Ed Harris telling him that his life is a sham. Um, it, it's it, it, that attitude, but also him going through the wall into that. It's it's just it, uh, it sparks a lot of ideas. But on a personal level, also, I went to this is what Phil was talking about a little bit earlier. I, I saw this movie in theaters. So, so um, just to clarify the listeners, your your favorite part is almost that second. When he when he orchestrates the second attempt at escape, the se- the successful one, the successful attempt when he uh, then reaches the wall of the dome that he lives in and has to essentially it, it's a it's a heart wrenching scene. The, the music is beautiful, but he's banging on the walls. He he still can't get out. He he essentially they they, they let him dangle there. He's reached the edge of his existence, yeah. literally. And he's just he's he's crying, and Jim Carrey puts on a great performance, and and then and then he finds these stairs eventually, and then that's when Ed Harris comes through. Um, but I think that whole scene, uh, I think, is emotional. I think it's uh, again, it, you see the people watching it on television, so gripped by everything. Um, so you're watching it in multiple layers as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's my favorite scene when again he just says that his his famous line. Good afternoon, good morning, and good night. Mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of—it's it, 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 what I brought from back from the movie. Uh, but then again, what I was going to say on a personal level, when I went to see the movie in theaters, when I was eight years old. Yep. Went with Dad and our sister Laura. Yeah, thanks. And, for, thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where you were in that one. Uh, <laughs> I, was, anyways, I was with Sylvia down by the beach. Oh, <laughs> you bastard! 
you wouldn't to me. Yeah. You'd do that to me? I wish. I'm kidding. Uh, so anyways, we went and saw the movie. Uh, I remember it specifically, vividly. And I remember specifically, at, or so at, at the end of the movie, it was a packed theater. And I discussed this with Dad to verify my story as well. Uh, it was a packed theater, so we were close to the front. And you know how you walk into a movie theater? You walk down the rows. Yes. And you know, you're walking to along the backs of the seats. So, but you see the exits towards the front on yeah. either side of the street. So you're always wondering as a kid, oh, what happens if we go through it? And so dad, for some reason, not wanting to deal with the, the crowd, at the end of the movie, where Truman goes through the wall into the, the, the unknown, we, we then got up and then dad decided for some reason to go through the exits right beneath the screen. So as if we were going into the screen. Boss move. He didn't know it. He was just anxious to get out of there. But it stuck with me. Like, I have this whole life, ex- like, I re- this whole big memory surrounding that. Because you see Truman go through the screen, his his life, and then we enter, or exit, excuse me, through essentially what is the screen that we were watching. So I, it was just a cool experience. But uh, Yeah, and you know, maybe for the listeners, point. too, just to give some, some reference, Tim was probably about, I was, I think I was in eighth grade, Tim was eight years old at that time, so really that honing in on your own perspective is, you know, every new door that's opened, literally and figuratively, is something new, so it's, I, I can see as an eight-year-old that that must have been a trip. Yeah, and plus, I was uh, coming fresh off of Ace Ventura, so I mean, yeah. <laughs> I like I like fart jokes and butt jokes. Weren't you Ace for, were you Ace for Halloween one year? No, I think that might have been putt. Oh, okay. Like, an Ace Ventura. <laughs> not not me though personally uh, I, I don't know if I was ever a Jim Carrey character yeah <laughs> um, cool so I mean that pretty much brings us to the end of the movie I have a couple other notes here um, just with random characters well first of all to your point with that second scene G- Giamatti is at fault for that Paul Giamatti comes into that scene as uh, the kind of second in command and he just blows it I mean he has to wake up Ed Harris because he's kind of screwed everything up. Um, he's just kind of like the guy who, if there's a banana peel in the room and a hundred people walk by, he's going to be the one who slips on it. He's just kind of like the dorky, I don't know, shouldn't have been in charge of this major thing. But obviously Ed Harris needs to sleep at some point. So uh, that was kind of a cool thing that they did with the movie because they brought they made it real. Like, yeah, no one other than Laura Linney's in this thing 24-7, even the producers. Um, so thought that that was kind of a cool part to that, to that whole sequence. Um, some other funny notes is the people who were watching and some of the actors that were involved within the show, um, there's a guy who plays, it's like the Simpsons. It's like, there's one character for everything. So there's a guy who's like the quote unquote driver in town. Like he's the bus driver and he doesn't know how, like Jim Carrey Uh, makes a left-hand turn and gets on the bus and he's like, oh shit, I'm just the actor. I don't know how to drive a bus. So then they also bring him in to drive the boat to go save Jim Carrey in the ocean. Yeah. Doesn't know how to freaking drive a, a boat. What the hell? Like, how did you get this job? So uh, that was pretty funny. And then one of the guys who was watching, I thought was really funny, was the bathtub guy. Like, oh, yeah. is he in the bathtub? Like that's is, a classic. I feel like when people picture the, the crowd, they, the, the people watching the movie. Yeah. If, if people are listening to this and have seen the movie, they picture the guy in the bathtub. But... Him specifically, like, he's never not in that bathtub. He falls asleep in the bathtub. Jim Carrey, in between escapes, we're, we're told to believe is a month, and he's 
still in the bathtub. Like, nothing's changed. I mean, they must have all shot that at the same time, but just kind of thought it was funny. Bathtub guy was... Was a, just kind of an interesting character. Yeah, he's the guy in the tub. You know, you got the guy in the couch. You know, <laughs> yeah. the guy in the tub. Just the never the leaves tub. the tub. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, when people think of the, I feel like when people think of that movie, again, the the viewers being a part of it, not uh, the viewers us, but the viewers in the movie, uh, you think of the bathtub guy, and then you think of those two cops, yeah. which are also like Simpsons characters. Exactly, yeah. Like it basically, like the flat top guy looked like Chief Wiggum almost. It was funny. Oh my god, he's, he's, that's, yeah, I'm sure, I wonder if you looked up his IMDB page, I'm sure, I'm sure you'd see Sergeant, 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 Cop, 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 Cop. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then of course the bar that's dedicated to Truman, which yes. is also kind of a fascinating cultural thing. They, they don't touch too much on how Truman influences like culture outside of his, his sayings and stuff. Um, and of course people some people wear the clothes. Uh, but I think that bar is like, it just like, it would be yeah. open all the time. Like it was, it was just like an interesting idea. Cause you know, that show has to have so many, uh, you know, it's a, the butterfly effect. It has to have so many wrinkles, you know, and, and, uh, you know, reverberating effects. To right. Merchandise, people. dedicated bars. Right. Just people questioning themselves. Like it's, well, so think about the economy so this is so one note that I had in that it's fascinating. First off, Kristoff is who is uh, Ed Harris. He's essentially left to do whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Nobody is no. So my note is there's no government inter- intervention in any of this. Right. So first off, it's crazy that they let a corporation adopt a life. That's just one thing, but. Uh, secondly, the, the fact that it takes up such a huge part of our country right. is essentially a state in itself, and it, it's a huge part of our. I would imagine the amount of people that it would take to run the show yeah. is massive. I think he said five thousand cameras and five thousand people, five thousand actors that they that they ran through there. So the the fact that nobody is telling him like. <laughs> The fact that Truman has huge influence over the world, clearly. Yeah. And the fact that nobody is telling him, like, even in when you know when he's about to kill him, there's only that one guy who's the head of the studio who he still doesn't answer to. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, it being such a again such a huge thing, I, I I thought it was interesting. No religion is referenced. The only time he's and again, no religion, no government. Um, it's just like a basic, basic... No, that's a good point. So it's it, there's some of the things, though, that they do bring in from the modern world that I'm surprised that they did. So the fact that Truman even knows about Fiji or that the world is round, like, if they're trying to make this show last as long as possible, why would they even show him a real map of the world? Um, right. Well, that's what, I mean, that's where I, I didn't answer your question earlier when you asked... When or when I my initial question when uh, when when do, when do I think I'd figure it out? Um, I, I think I would, I would have to travel. Like no matter how afraid I was of something. So, so why introduce planes even? Right? Like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like there's no seaplanes or like no. Huh. Uh, I, I mean, it, so that, but also just uh, the, the I would just have to ask questions of you know. Of religion, like about where we came from, like whatever. I'd have to just push and push and push and ask. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so I think I don't know. I don't think 
physically, I don't think they could have hold, held me there. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, but, <laughs> but what, what I think I would have found out is when every time I went, no, I don't know, maybe I, <laughs> every time, every time I'd have a girl over, mom would walk in. Uh, hey, or I'd come, or I'd come in with a six pack of beer. It's time, buddy. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How the hell did they know that? Yeah. 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 I think uh, your show would be interesting, but it would be short lived if you were Truman. Cool. Yeah. So we are we're right at the fifty minute mark. So any anything any last notes that you had or any any wrap up comments? I mean, I guess so. Phil and I discussed again if it was in our top twenty movies. Um, I think I think it is still for me only because Jim Carrey is is becoming one of my favorite actors. If not, he's top he's top five favorite actors. Okay, not just comedic actors. Top five actors of all time because I love. Love his serious roles. I think, honestly, being the majestic, I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a soft-hearted uh, romantic. So I love the majestic. So what you're saying is you love Jim Carrey in this role, and he's one of your actors. So automatically, this is top twenty for you, if not yeah. top thirty. Yeah, I think. I, I'm going to go so far as to say top ten. I, I this. Top ten. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched this movie in a year. I always thought that, and then I watched it, and it, it reconfirmed that. It's just, it's one of the. Perfect movies where you're going, okay, you're you're almost like from our Inception podcast. You're in, in a show within a show. You're in a show within a movie. And so you're, you allow your mind to just be like, oh, that's not real. That's not real. The movie's taking care of that or the show's taking care of that. You don't have to debate whether something's real or not because it's already fake in, in the movie. So it just allows you to enjoy it that much more. Jim Carrey also is one of my fo- top, top five favorite actors and it's a showcase of him doing something different and ch- proving to me that he has the chops to do it. Um, and then this, this, just the plot, the theory alone, though, like the, the setup alone of this man's in his own world. What, and you can't help but think, what if I was put in this position? And, you know, it just makes you think, it just makes you, it, it, was, it just kind of blew my mind when I first watched it. So, so I guess that's the link. Inception, you have to ask. You have to ask, you know, are you dreaming? You know, that, that, or you don't have to, but it, it's going to make you ask more about your dream world. Yes. Your dream. This, it begs you to ask. It begs the... It, what if this is all for me? Individual perception to, to say, oh, is this, is, am I really just being watched? What, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, uh, and there's few movies that really present those ideas that can lead to something such as a syndrome, an actual mental uh, health syndrome yeah. like uh, uh, and it's so i mean there there again there's very few movies that that have the effect that it does not again not just because of the way it was executed but the ideas behind it um as well as again the way that Harry just owned it i think it, it it helped him it helped him again achieve it, it, it just gave him depth it, it, which definitely and i just I, I i i love seeing people progress and change and i love versatility so I, yeah oh know, this and and this this definitely deepened his his repertoire his uh, you know capabilities probably double if not more all right so so i think that's it um you know just under the hour mark here uh, thanks all to listen. Um, any suggestions for anyone who does listens for our next movie? We're open to it. We love doing this, and half of this helps us keep sane, you know, during these uh, 
coronavirus times where we're, we're buckled into our own houses in our own little worlds here. Um, so, dog, I mean, are you going to say it or am I going to say it? Um, I'm going to leave that out to you, Doug. All right. Well, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Peace, everyone. Okay.